0: It's Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphian on the Grizzlies, Memphis, and more. Presented by the Majestic Grill. Rediscovered downtown dining. Chris
1: Harrington on 92.9's Jeff Calkins Show. This joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to?
0: That is a uh, fast girl by the... Madison by the uh, 90s indie rock band Sarge. The only song I can think of that mentions uh, Madison,
1: Wisconsin where I am currently in the vicinity of. Madison, Wisconsin? Are We're you playing. driving? Did you drive back and forth to the Twin Cities? I did drive and I'm on my way back today. Ha! <laughs> that is a hell of a... How long is that drive? It's about 12, 13 hours. Oh, that's all. I drove to Michigan and it was... Well, we did it without the dogs. Uh, it's much faster, and we did it in. It was eight hundred and yeah. It was at what? Eight, it was no. It was certainly more than eight hundred miles, less than nine hundred. And I did it in about thirteen hours. Um, so it was pretty speedy. But anyway, what are you listening to? Uh, well, I've been plowing through some NBA podcasts this morning. I plan to maybe
0: segue into some music after I'm done talking to you. All
1: right. Um, well, we'll get to the broader NBA here in a minute. Did you watch last night's game? And I mean, you don't—you watch most games, I presume. You don't I'll watch every game because you do have other things that happen in your life, right? And has it changed now that this Grizzly season has taken the turn it has taken? Um, it, it only changed last night. I
0: mean, it changed. The, the season's turn changed to the degree that I didn't go out of my way to seek out when it was going to be a complication. Right. Um, I mean, if I'd been home, I would have watched it last night, but I, I was not home, I was, and I wasn't going to... It was like a 6.30 tip when we were having dinner with friends. I wasn't going to say, sorry, guys, can't have dinner. I have to watch the Grizzlies play on my phone or laptop right. or whatever. Right. And then since I was getting up at like 5 a.m. to get on the road or whatever, I wasn't going to stay up and re-watch it on the replay either. If they had been in a playoff race, maybe I would have stayed up to rewatch it. But I, I figure that's when I can let go.
1: Yeah, I don't think anything particularly significant happened uh, in that game. Um, I, I, I'll say this: Where are we on the? Who, who are they going to use their two ways on next year? And is does some of this up in the air depending on how these players that we're currently watching play? What do we? What's the status yeah, of the two I, ways? I think it's all up in the air. I, right now, it's Jacob Yolier, Gigi Jackson, and Scottie Pippen.
0: I think Jacob Yoyard will not be back on a two-way. I don't know if he'll even finish the season on his current two-way. Um, I think Gigi Jackson is – is they do not have a team option for him for a two-way next season, and as we've discussed, they they can make him a restricted free agent. I think it is likely. I don't know that it's certain. I think it's likely they'll make way room for him on the main roster, and so I don't think he'll be back on the two-way next season. Um, I do think Scottie Pippen Jr. is likely to be back on the two-way. They do have a team option for him for a two-way next season. Um, They signed him with the idea that he'd be a good guy to have. I think they need a guard, much like this season with Gildiard. They need a guard on their two-way who could effectively be a Memphis Grizzlies player on a two-way contract to give them guard depth. And and I think Pippen has shown indications that he can be that kind of player. So I think he's likely back on the two-way. And then the other spots are open and, like, you know, are Trey Jemison, Matthew Hurd, and and, and Tucson, yeah. I mm-hmm. have a master of pronunciation. Right. Are they candidates for that? Are they auditioning for that? Yeah, I think so. Have any of them, like, made a, a, a particularly strong case? You'd need to lock them up on the two-way? I don't know that they have. So I think there are other options. You know, in that Steven Adams trade, they get, they gained – they have two second-round picks now in this coming draft, from that Steven Adams trade. One of those will likely, if they use it, be on a, a main roster player – but the other is a pick at the end of the second round. So that's either, like, the next Tarek Birovich or whatever you stash, or that could be a guy on their two-way next season.
1: Um, They also... And and, and in terms of Gigi, they have the Victor Oladipo. Uh, they acquired him. At some point, if they can't trade that deal, they will buy, I presume, waive him or whatnot. And at that yep. point is when they would you would imagine GG would be converted from a two-way to a regular contract? I I think that's likely. I don't
0: have any specific intel that that's going to happen, but I think that is is the most, it seems to me, the most likely scenario. Um, You know, we'll see what else happens between now and tomorrow afternoon. You know, do they do other trades where you actually add players for this season, in which case that complicates that. But I think that's unlikely as well. And so I think the most likely scenario is that post-trade deadline, a roster spot is freed up. And then they try to negotiate, you know, a deal with Gigi Jackson. I think that seems to be the most likely scenario.
1: While we're on the topic of picks, this year they have the first and two seconds now, right? Isn't that what they have for this coming year? Yes. Okay. And is there a likelihood that, well, let's say they don't use the number one in the trade. for They, they, they exercise the number one, right? They, they make that pick. Is there... Obviously, this team doesn't want to get younger necessarily, but they do need to be cheaper. On they need to be cheaper that's, on the on the on the fringes. So, is it likely that then exactly right? There will be two two rookies on next year's roster. One not not cheap, and one cheap.
0: We'll see. I I, I think you know I I don't think I don't think there's any hard determination on the number of rookies. I, but but right. I think if you take those two bigs, you look at them in terms of the value they can present to you. And so that that first round pick. It's going to be used to acquire a player of significance. That could be just by drafting a player with that pick. Yep. It could be by trading the pick. It could be by like moving up or down slightly within the first round, but still, you know. And so, so, so you're looking to add a player in your rotation next season with that pick. Um, with the other pick, which is that you know, right now I think would be 38. I think either that is that is one of two things. Either it's it's currency to help you move around in the draft, you know or it is adding a, a a cost-controlled player to your main roster. So I think it, it, by cost-controlled, I mean cost-controlled at a very low number, like a, a rookie minimum salary to right. your main roster. And so look at that the same way. You know, Denver, now that Denver is into the tax, they targeted those kind of picks, and they used them to take players who were a little bit more experienced, so Julian Strother and right. Jalen Pickett and whatever. The idea of you adding players who you think can be a contributor on a rookie minimum helps you helps, helps you, you sort of fill out your roster while, while keeping your tax stuff in check. I think it is very easy to see the Grizzlies viewing that pick in much the same way. And, then, while, and in fact, they've had good success with those kind of players right. in the sense of, like, you know, Tillman. obviously Dustin vane is, is a huge example, but Tillman is a classic example. Yep. You get a guy with, you know, in the early second round and, like, he can play for you immediately, and he's been a contributor for four years now on that kind of contract. I think they would love something like that.
1: While we're on the topic of Grizzlies draft picks, I forgot they did that deal this summer with Phoenix. In addition to their own, all their own firsts, they've got pick swaps, right? Didn't they do? Yeah, the swaps
0: are 2024 and 2030. The 2024 was always unlikely to materialize, and now it is certain to not materialize. Um, So that's off the board, basically. But that pick, that 2030 is interesting because Phoenix, you know, Kevin Durant won't be playing for the Phoenix Suns in 2030, I don't think. And so basically in 2030, they get the middle of Phoenix pick, Washington pick, and their own pick. And so uh, if, 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 if if both of those teams are worse than them, right. um, they can move yeah. up and get one of those picks.
1: You need a spreadsheet. Um, okay, uh, as you are driving along, listening to podcasts, national podcasts uh, about, I presume, mostly trade deadline stuff. Are the Grizzlies mentioned? Like, do they come up? Not, no, not really, not, not really at all. That oh, the stuff
0: I listened to this morning, like, there's stuff in there that you can you can think about the Grizzlies in the context of, right? Like somebody, so, so somebody on one pod was saying, you know, I think Boston, you know, they may use some of their expirings to go like. You know, add some bench depth, and add You know, add another big man who can play. And I was like, yeah, like expirings and second round picks for like Tillman and Contrar, Like send it into the league office, right? I see. And so, like that's the guy. So it's or people talk about the Knicks in terms of, you know, the Knicks. Like they have all these the first round picks, which you're not going to get. They have all these second round picks, and they have four guys expiring, and they really need to. They need. They need players who can play for them now. And like you can make up all kinds of scenarios, which I have, in which the Grizzlies are the team that are involved in. So teams have been mentioned who have needs, and you can see the Grizzlies being the on the opposite end of that. But no one's really talking about the Grizzlies specifically. Like that right.
1: um, I did see. You know, I think I think no one'd be surprised if Tillman is dealt at this point. Uh, no one'd be surprised if one of the if one of the wings uh, consolidation some yep. kind of deal dealt. I, I think there would be yep. some faint surprise if Luke Kennard were dealt, but they sees a possibility. Um, It was one of the things in Hollinger's piece yesterday he mentioned, which I'm sure you knew already, but I had forgotten, is if they pick up canard, then depending on how the rest of this goes, they may well not be able to use their non-taxpaying mid-level. I don't know whether they're going to be – it seems like they're likely to be taxpayers, whatever else. But how significant is their – Mid-level exception, the non-taxpaying mid-level exception, as a vehicle to help them get a big, and therefore, how important would it be to get under the under the tax you so know, you can use that?
0: It, it, it could be, you know, some of the names I mentioned yesterday, like Kelly Olynyk, a free agent. Is Kelly Olynyk gettable with the with the non-taxpayer mid-level? Yeah, if he is, that's an interesting question because because I, I think that is I think that's that's a true choice. And I'm not saying if they if they let Kennard go, they will definitely like use that mid level exception. They could use they could, you know, they could do things via trade or whatever. But but I don't think you can keep Canard on that on that team option and use the mid level. You can't do both of those things. And so at some at some point maybe that does become a choice. Would you rather have Canard back on one year for fourteen point seven million? Or would you rather be able to offer a free agent like, you know, twelve million a year for more than one year? Um, and that could be an interesting sort of choice the Grizzlies face. Yes. The Grizzlies... Zach that, that climate has not had a tendency to go into free agency. Um, you know, they, they've done their work right. through draft and through trade. Um, they have not used the free agency stuff that much.
1: Interesting. Um, all right. And then in the big, broader world, um, it feels like it's, I don't know, going to be a... Most people are predicting a fairly quiet trade deadline, um Yeah, we've already had, you know, in terms of what you call a deadline trade
0: and what you don't, like right. I don't think anyone would call like Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday deadline trades, but that was right. stuff that happened, like listen on the eve of the season, so that's sort of in season trades. Those were massive. Um I, you know, I think you would call like the the O. G. Ananobi and Pascal Siakam trade sort of run up to the deadline trade. Right. Like Pascal Siakam's a multiple all NBA player, O. G. Ananobi's a defense of year of the defense player of the year candidate. So I don't I doubt we get any trades the next two days that are at the level of the Siakam or the Ananobi. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of not a lot. You'll you'll see plenty of trades, but I think it'll be more of the um roster cleanup, money cleanup, adding like a, a good seventh man for your playoff run kind of trades is what would be my guess.
1: So you didn't love it when Ant- when Atlanta signed Murray, as I recall. You didn't love that, that when they dealt when when they acquired uh-huh. him. Did you? Yeah. Were you a fan? No, no I wasn't. I
0: mean, I, I don't remember exactly what my feelings were, but I certainly didn't think that that's, but that was the movie that put them over the top. Yeah.
1: So uh, is, there, there is, is there an expectation that he will be dealt? He seems to be the most the highest profile player
0: who... who he seems to be at the top of the line of notable players in terms of likelihood to be dealt. That's what you hear. Yeah, I'm sort of of the opinion, and I don't, this is not going to happen, But I've had this discussion with people. Like, I'm of the opinion that Atlanta should be going the other way and looking to trade Trey Young. Um, Because I think Trey Young, as your point guard, puts a very hard ceiling on what you can be. And I think, but there's more value in dealing him. I'd be looking to go the other way with them. Instead of breaking it up, breaking it up by moving Murray, I'd be looking to break it up by moving Trey Young. But I don't think that's what's going to happen.
1: And he puts a hard ceiling on Atlanta in a way that John Morant does not in Memphis.
0: Yes, I think more so, because he is even worse defensively, and I think he is less of, the assist numbers are good, but he is less of a galvanize and lead the team kind of guy, to me, than is.
1: Interesting. There are interesting names out there, just at the margin. Like, Grant Williams really hasn't worked in Dallas, uh, particularly. um, Right. So that's sort of interesting to me. Is Andrew Wiggins going to be dealt? Like, I don't see how exactly who's going to take on that money. Um, so I actually, I actually talked to somebody when Golden State was here recently.
0: I actually talked to someone uh, uh, who follow who, who, who covers that team, basically, uh, someone from, from that market about it. And they don't think Golden State's going to. They didn't think Golden State was going to do anything significant. Like they didn't think, they didn't think Wiggins was going to move. They thought you know the biggest thing they could do was Chris Paul in a draft pick. They didn't think that was going to happen either. So they didn't think Golden State was going to do all that much. They, they, they have sort of internalized, like, this is not our year or whatever, and and you won't see anything dramatic from them. But I have no idea.
1: We haven't talked much. Maybe you had with Jeffrey while I was gone. Uh, Clippers, obviously, have had a, been on a sensational run. Um, and uh, not that we necessarily needed this reminder, but it is nice to be reminded that sometimes all you have to do is wait for your players to get healthy, and you never know what can happen, right? I mean, also have a great coach. Yeah. Um, that, that 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 team is a legit like, title contender now
0: in a year where, like, it's sort of open, you know. And I, Kawhi Leonard is creeping his way up in the MVP I mean, yep. conversation. And, like, I think that, that's, that's that situation is very legit. But but they need, you know, Kawhi, I actually looked at this the other day. I don't, maybe the numbers changed since I looked at it. But he had played, like, 44 or 48 games or something like that. If, he, if they get four rounds of healthy playoffs from him and Paul George both, like, from day one, it's always been known that if those two guys are both, setting aside the Harden thing, which has worked out, right. it's been known from day one. If you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both healthy and playing together, you can you can, win a title with that. It's just they've just never been able to sustain it. So can they sustain that through four rounds of playoffs? If so, like, yeah, all bets are off on the Clippers.
1: Have a safe trip, Chris. Thanks very much. Thank you. Chris Harrington from... The Daily.